It's 11.05 on this Friday morning, our, our final hour of the broadcast week, which means it's, of course, traditionally speaking, time for our 6.30 Ched Roundtable. And two special guests in studio have been looking forward to connecting with these two for quite some time. Lisanne Lewis, the general manager of the Shaw Conference Center, uh, also who just happened to summit... Mount Kilimanjaro. Why are you closing your eyes and shaking your head already? I'm I'm laughing that those two are lumped together. But thank you, thank you so <laughs> it, much. It it, <laughs> give, it gives people a clear picture. Uh, you're the you're the big boss at one of our city's crown jewels in the River Valley, and uh, you're not afraid to get out there and get your boots dusty a little bit. So, so there you have it. We we've we've summed you up completely, Lisanne. I'm sure all the details covered in just two sentences. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Good to be here. So good to have you here, Kendall Barber. Uh, people know. I'm sure the founder of Poppy Barley and Avenue Top 40 Under 40. And you yourself, and I know this just from paying attention to your social media feeds, you're a bit of a hardcore adventurer yourself. I see you running in the River Valley when it's minus 30. I see you traveling all over the world. Yeah, I mean, um, I always think that I could never stay sane if I didn't do those things. You, uh, when the minute the two of you sat down together, we talked about Kilimanjaro, and, and Kendall, your eyes lit up, and, and you said, which route did you go? And you said, you've been there as well? I haven't been yet, but it's on my list of things to do, and so I'm always studying routes and time of year to go and trying to find when it could happen. I feel like, okay, Poppy Barley's three years old now. Am I at the point where I could disappear for long enough with no contact um, to hike Mount Kilimanjaro? So. Do both of you maintain, uh, I mean, people now are calling them bucket lists, but are, are you the types that have had, uh, we'll call them maybe working to-do lists or motivational lists? Has that been sort of the story of your careers and even your personal lives as well? Yes, what a great question. For me, constantly, there's, there's always a, a list of quarterly goals, there's annual goals, there's professional goals, and then there's those bucket list goals that, that uh, keep us growing, right? Do you do the same thing? Absolutely. Um, I think I'm pretty flexible with mine, but I'm always writing down ideas, and um, it's a continuous list that's so long, and I've been doing it my whole life. I have duotangs from when I was a kid full of like the top 100 things I'm going to do before I'm 25. And you've held on to those? Oh, you, yeah. You have those lists? Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not sure if you're, I'm, I think you're older than 25. I think you've passed <laughs> yeah. that mile marker. How did you do on knocking items off that list? Oh, I maybe hit 10 of them. I think that's one of the greatest things, though, is if at any point in my life you would have asked me to predict where I would be in five years, I would have been totally wrong. So it's like about setting those goals, but also creating enough space to say yes to the things that are right in front of you. Hmm. It's been interesting timing on on this show. Topically, we, we, we couldn't ignore the fact that the city of Edmonton uh, underwent or at least implemented a major structural reorganization that took effect on Tuesday. And, and the city incurred a somewhat dubious distinction in the sense that none of Edmonton's general managers are women. Now, Linda Cochran is serving in the role of acting city manager, so you've got something to consider there, but it's prompted people to call out the city of Edmonton, noting as well that there's just one female city councillor. There's just not enough women in leadership, so say the critics. International Women's Day is also looming on Tuesday, and I thought that this might be an interesting place to start off with, and I can point out, Lisanne, that you're the first woman to be named general manager of the Shaw Conference Center. But sometimes when people note these details, the first woman to do this, the first African-American to do that, we go, 
Do we still need to be pointing that stuff out? Should we still be pointing that stuff out? Yeah, and that, that's a great question. Just before we, we came on air, we were three of us were chit-chatting, and I think I shared um, I was so focused on a convention center as an operations, as a building, as something in the community, that when I got this position, I was actually pretty shocked at the attention that was being given to the gender issue. Uh, the reaction we got from our staff w- was lovely, uh, but the the women on on our staff and we have you know we have hundreds of frontline servers and, and we have uh, a strong female contingent in management too. But um, they really wanted to talk about that. People were really interested. Um, also, getting that moniker from the community was a bit shocking, and uh, I'm just starting to come to terms with it. Even talking about it today is 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 a bit odd for me. For me too, to be honest. I mean, it feels a little bit odd to ask about it. Because, I mean, I, I, I guess, and, and if I can provide sort of anecdotal backup to that, I remember when Justin Trudeau named his federal cabinet, and there, there was gender parity. You know, I think, you know, people were like, it's, it's quite literally a 50-50 mix of men and women. And everyone was celebrating that and pointing it out, and, and one journalist served up a bit of a softball and asked why that was important, and he delivered the line, right? Because it's 2015, that's, and, and that resonated with people. And I said, uh, and I still stand by it, but my gut instinct was, was. I think it's great, but I it kind of took away from it the fact that they pointed it out and talked about it. I would have rather they just did it, that they just believed that they put the best people in the jobs, and it just so happened to be a good mix. Not something that we wouldn't want to consider, but to celebrate it, to celebrate your own achievement, to pack your, pat yourself on the back almost, to me, kind of seems to cheapen the move a little bit. What do you think, Kendall? Yeah, I totally agree. I think as a woman, I want to know that I'm at any seat on any table because I deserve to be there and not because they were looking to fill some quota of, you know, and whether it's gender or different backgrounds, whatever it is. I mean, I think that diversity is really important. I think we bring different perspectives when we um, have boardroom tables, um, you know, top offices, politics, wherever it is, I think that it's important to have diversity, but I still think that ultimately every person who's on that list or sitting in that chair wants to be there because they truly deserve to be there. So how do you impact change here? I mean, if, if, if people want to see more women, let's say specifically, I mean, for the purposes of, of comment, within the city's management ranks, as an example, how do you make that happen without what's become known as, you know, equitable hiring or or people talk about affirmative action, these types of things. I mean, how, how do we approach something like this in good conscience where we feel like this is the right way to go about it? The people being put in the positions feel as though they deserve the positions they're being put in. But at the same time, the structure, the corporate structure in this case, better reflects the society which we're representing. Mm-hmm. And, and Ryan, I think you hit on the dilemma when you mentioned, do we, do we still have value in having those lists every year of how many female entrepreneurs there are, like Kendall? How many elected officials are there? How many city administration women are there? Um, and I'm of two minds. Unless we have those counts and we have those little news clips, people aren't talking about it, or it might not actually come into our awareness that there is some type of a, a disparity. Um, I know some of those numbers take me by surprise, and without the conversation, then we can't start, let's, we don't want to say putting people in the right place, but having people come forward and want to take those chairs and want to be at the table like Kendall's talking about. Have you ever, Kendall, in your business career, found that there was a gender implication 
to the results of a meeting? Or did you ever feel like because you're a woman, it either opened a door or a door was closed in your face simply because of that? Yeah, I think that I've had both, to be very honest. I think sometimes I've had that door open because they needed to hit that gender gender quota. And so I sometimes was invited to things that maybe when I looked around the table, I thought, okay, I'm here because I'm a woman and they needed that for the photo op or whatever it might be. Um, and then I think on the other side too, I remember pitching when we were raising money for Poppy Barley. And um, I actually had a man in the audience that I just finished pitching to look at me and say, okay, I'm going to ask you a big girl question now. Oof. Where are you going to get the money from? And I just remember thinking, not like, not from you, like this meeting's over, I'm out the door. And so for sure, I mean, I think when you look at um, female founded companies, hugely underrepresented in the funding that goes to them. I can't imagine what I would do in a situation like that. Mm. I'd almost be tempted to make a condescending comment right back but i suppose when you're trying to do a fun drive for the business that you're heading up maybe not the best play yeah i mean agreed and i think there's something else um i don't think i had the confidence and that was only four years ago and so i knew that i was like deeply agitated and offended by it um but i think that all leaders regardless of your gender have the same qualities and one of them is resiliency grit and confidence. And I think, in my opinion, that's part of what we're missing when we're developing female leaders. We try to go to support groups. We want it to be um, very based in networking. And we don't, I personally think, give them this idea of like, you need to be resilient and strong. And that's probably the biggest thing that I've taken over the past four years. Now, if I was in that room, I would have had a totally different reaction than to carry on with my pitch. But at the time, I wasn't yet prepared to be like, you know, screw you, I'm out of here. So how, how do you think you would respond today? That I think I would just say this meeting's over and walk right out the door. Like, um, but I, I wasn't there four years ago. I was, uh, I needed everything to be perfect and I wanted to be liked. And I had, you know, I think just a very, very different mindset than where I've landed today. But I mean, this is, and this is one of the most repeated observations. I'm not pretending like this is, this is what I've noticed out there. This is, is sort of, it seems to be almost unfortunately common wisdom that a man in a position of leadership that takes no guff and that makes no apologies for being assertive is seen as strong, you know, is, is seen as deserving of that CEO title or that GM or president title. A woman with the exact same attributes, well, they use a different word to describe her. But these could be, this could be the exact same personality in a different body. I mean, Lisanne, you work with Edmonton's business leaders across a number of fronts. Mm -hmm. Do you see that in practice? I mean, do you, do you, you know, in 2016 still see that? It's, it's, it is still happening, and but it's so subtle. Um, people aren't doing it deliberately. It's, it's just so ingrained, and especially in um, maybe people from a different generation. Um, and I, I don't say that lightly. I'm 50 years old, right? Um, but I'm still seeing it, uh, especially in an operations-heavy world, like running a building, uh, where um, if, uh, what's a good, good example, if I am... Uh, interested or inquiring into an area that's uh, maybe quite technical 
or has something to do with capital planning or infrastructure, uh, I'm finding they will not answer my questions directly. I have to ask the questions two, three, four times to show I'm serious. Um, I actually can read a blueprint. I know about HVAC systems. Uh, so I find there's that little added effort with, I hope, a shrinking um, percentage of people that, that just naturally go there. And it's interesting because I mean I'm, I'm right now on the text line, and, and sometimes in the roundtables we'll we'll incorporate listener comments, and, and sometimes we're tackling comments where I go, I, I I'm not sure this is productive, but but a listener has made a comment here. This is Ted, and it's not the first time I've heard it. Let me read it, and then I'll we'll kind of get into it from there. So Ted says, recently women in politics have set the movement backwards. Ted goes on to say Allison, Danielle, and now Rachel. But along the same lines, couldn't we point out to men that have set political movements backward? Couldn't we point to, for example, off the top of my head, one man in in particular who managed to spectacularly collapse a 44-year Tory dynasty without the help of a woman? Why do we point out, why do you think listeners like Ted point out the gender of a female politician that's hit a rocky patch, career speaking, but when a man blows it, we don't say it's because he's a man. Maybe there's no answer. Maybe it's just a rhetorical question. But the fact of the matter is, it happens. If a female CEO makes a controversial decision, people will find some way to incorporate her gender into the decision-making process. I get emails all the time. People say, I would not put a woman in that role because women are too emotional. I know guys that have no control of their emotions, Mm. like zero. No one ever points that out, though, as an observation about men. You're both just sitting here nodding your heads. <laughs> I think we're, we're thinking about past experiences, I think. We're both smiling and nodding here. Um, Is there a past experience of yours that jumps out at you where this has been the case? I've, I, yes, but it's the attention to emotions. So I would guess uh, Kendall's maybe the same way. You, you learn early on in business, you, you, you be professional. How do you show up? You stay consistent, you stay unemotional. I mean, you get passionate about things, but you stay unemotional. Um, I've actually been called on the opposite. Why aren't you getting overly emotional? Wow, I thought you would be really excited about this, or I thought you would get you know, cranky with a B word in front of it about this. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, whether it's good or bad, as a woman, your emotions are a target of attention. Yeah. I- I feel like you're being very careful. I feel like you want to say something, <laughs> but you're being very careful, Kendall. No, I don't, I don't know. I just, I do think that I do, I am emotional. And I think I do lead in part from an emotional standpoint. Um, but isn't that because you're you, not because you're a woman? Well, yeah, and that's what I was going to say. And I'm thinking and reflecting back on, you know, male bosses that I've had that have also been emotional, right? So I think there's this level of compassion that can exist whether you're a male or a female and it just always goes back to me that we always talk about women's leadership as it's a women's issue and it's it's not like to make progress on it it's both we need both men and women to come to the table to want to see a different future maybe maybe this maybe this is something worth noting tj on the text line says you know men in politics is status quo he says we want women to get there in politics we want women to achieve leadership so when notable women fail it's disappointing 
I mean, I don't think it makes perfect sense to compare women and the African-American community, aside from the fact that people will say Barack Obama is the first black president or Hillary Clinton could be the first female president. So so in that context, maybe you can have that same sort of a conversation. But you have to wonder if maybe there's more pressure. I mean, people will be evaluating Barack Obama's legacy for more reasons than just he was a two-term president. Maybe that's why. We'll get back to this with Lisanne Lewis and Kendall Barber. We'd like you to be a part of the conversation as well. You can text in to 630-630. I'm going to ask these two in just a minute. With International Women's Day looming, is it a day worth noting or not? Should it be treated as significant? And if so, why? More on this Friday Morning Roundtable after this quick break. Our guests in studio, Lisanne Lewis, General Manager of the Shaw Conference Center, Kendall Barber, founder of Poppy Barley, a hand-sewn, custom-made shoe business grown right here in Edmonton. Kendall, did I participate in perpetuating a stereotype by bringing you in here as a successful female entrepreneur? I guess you could say yes. Um, I hope you had a long list of successful entrepreneurs, female entrepreneurs that you wanted to choose from. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think it happens all the time. And we were just talking off air about how awful it feels to be paraded, you know, for being a woman and then your accomplishment. You don't want to be a successful woman in people's eyes. You want to be successful. Yes. I Is want, that how you'd put it? Yes. I want to build a meaningful, successful company, and I don't want to win awards for being a female entrepreneur. So what about female mentorship groups? What, 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 what about women that get together for women's networking events, Lisanne? Oh, I'm going to say something probably a little controversial. Um, and I'm, I'm a big supporter and believer in wisdom councils and community um, and groups of supportive people around you. About 10 years ago, I actually gave up trying to find or joining women-specific support groups, business groups, mostly business groups. Um, And these days, I just go to whatever group or leadership um, nurturing environment there is, and and often it's predominantly men. The the female groups I was uh, looking for guidance and mentorship from they weren't strong enough and they were so inward facing on the problems they felt the world was against them that they weren't looking outward and they weren't looking at achieving and building confidence and, and providing support. Um, that I, I'm hoping that was only my experience and other people are having a better one. But uh, I was not a big fan of those. I'm going to agree. Um, I found that women's networking groups seem to be quite rooted in friendship and support. And what I want when I show up there is I want to build a better business and I want to develop myself into a better leader. And I'm not there for friends. If that happens to be a secondary thing that comes out of it, which is natural if you have common ground and you're sharing things that friendships develop. But same thing, I want to surround myself with the smartest, best people to help me. And I always think about building like a life advisory board, like we have Mm -hmm. advisory boards for companies. And I think about there's not going to be one mentor that I have that's going to be able to guide me on that. But I'm going to need a series of people that I can pick up the phone and call and I don't seek someone out particularly because they're female. I just 
seek out the best person to help in that moment. Trevor says, I love the attitudes, the intelligence, and the strength of these women. I would, I would say if, if you want to be evaluated, those would be some characteristics that regardless of gender, race, color, creed, belief, background, nationality, history, I would say attitudes, intelligence, and strength would three that, uh, be three categories that anybody should be happy to be evaluated by. Thank you, Trevor. <laughs> Meantime, Harry says, Ryan, you're beating a dead horse with this topic. Mm-hmm. The best individual for the job is the only way to do it. I don't know if we're beating a dead horse. I think it's a conversation that we need to have. We'll see where it goes in the second half hour of this roundtable with Lisanne Lewis and Kendall Barber, International Women's Day coming up. I'd like to ask them about the significance of that, and, and then we'll turn the page because, you know, the two of you, I'm sure, have a whole lot of opinions on a whole lot of other things that you'd like to get to. If you'd like to help us steer this casual, candid roundtable conversation, you know how to do it. You can reach us by punching 630-630 into your smartphone right now. Here are the headlines. Our guest this Friday morning roundtable, Kendall Barber, co-founder, along with her sister Justine, of uh, Kendall. What do you call it? Do you say, do you say it's like a handmade custom shoe? What, how do you describe Poppy Barley in, in one sentence? Yeah, we're a luxury made-to-order shoe business. Poppybarley.com. People can yeah. learn more. Lisanne Lewis, general manager of the Shaw Conference Center, as of what, like a month ago? February fifteenth. Congratulations! Thanks so much. I want to ask you about the Shaw in just a little bit because I know you guys have like torn the guts out of it, and you're putting in a new, a whole bunch of sexy new stuff. So we'll talk about that in just a second. Kendall, we spent a whole bunch of time uh, a short while ago talking about Stephanie McLean. I'm sure the name uh, rings a bell with you. She's the Minister of Human Services for the Province of Alberta, and she's just. Uh, had a kid. Mm-hmm. Congratulations to, the, to Stephanie and her husband. I know it's an exciting time for them. We talked to Premier Rachel Notley about it last week. Uh, she bristled a little bit when I asked her the question, just about timing. And I said, listen, I'm all about it. Like, I'm not a guy that's going to crack on women as ministers. I mean, come on, give me a break. But the timing of it was interesting. Nine months pregnant, swearing in, it's an important portfolio. Now she's gone. The Premier says, listen, the staff and other ministers, uh, other members of the NDP caucus are going to help out. In private industry, you're in that boat yourself right now. Your mm-hmm. sister, Justine, co-founder of the company, has just given birth to a beautiful boy, Jude. Mm-hmm. Congratulations to your family. Thank you. We're excited. How are you managing the allocation of work as your co-founder of mm-hmm. the business steps away? Mm-hmm. It's definitely been full on. Jude is six weeks old now. Um, and there was lots of discussion and planning between Justine and I. Um, before she went away. And I think you have a bit of a different mindset when you own the business. You don't just go, okay, I'll see you in a year. Um, So she's still involved. But at the same time, you only have those weeks with your baby once, right? And I always think about that, like Poppy Barley is going to be here for years. So it's finding that balance between taking some time right now to be a mother. And at the same time, I mean, Poppy Barley is our first baby. So we, it's almost like we have two babies. One just happens to be a company. That's an interesting way to put it. I love you putting it like that. Yeah. You know, we, we, we've had people chime into the show in conversations like this, and sometimes they're focused on a particular event or a particular person's story, and sometimes it's more hypothetical, theoretical kind of conversation. But people will say whether or not there's a glass ceiling, 
because some will deny there is and, and some will insist there is oftentimes women and and we received an email stating this exactly from a senior piping designer i don't i will not soon forget it by the name of donna who wrote in and she said it's not that i'm not qualified for a job up in the next pay scale and it's not that i don't want the other job she talked about the hurdles that have been put up in the way and some of them could include fear from an employer that a woman may decide to start a family with a partner or without and the implications that could have or some of the other complicating factors that get into it that got into it if you're going to have a career if you're going to succeed and excel in that career and reach the top of the pile hit that mountaintop metaphorically speaking do you perceive that you have to put other plans on hold or put them on the back burner That's huge, huge question, right? Um, I mean, common wisdom would say you can have it all, you just can't have it all at once. Um, I, I would answer that with a, a, a memory of being in a Q&A panel session with some uh, uh, young career women uh, under 30. And at the end of the Q&A, somebody asked if I had experienced myself a glass ceiling um, issue at any point in my career. And I answered honestly, just from my experience, no, actually I hadn't, but yes, I have read the stats. I know it's an issue out there, but for me personally, no, I didn't believe I had. And then somebody yelled from the back of the room, that's because you don't have any children. I'd spoken earlier in the event about the fact I'd chosen not to have children. And it opened up just a can of worms in that room about the effect of uh, the decision to have children or not on, on a husband and a wife's career. How did it make you feel when that person shouted that? I, I felt just that word agitated comes up again. I, I just, I wanted to throttle them. Um, I mean, I hadn't really given it that much thought. And of course, having children is going to affect your career, but it can affect it in a positive way, in a negative way. So many things can affect your career. It's all about how you manage your life and how you manage your career and what you choose as priorities. But to bellow that out at somebody that that was the only reason I was maybe doing well was really, really interesting. And you'd really only hear it aimed at one gender, let's be honest. Right. I mean, are people yelling at you? <laughs> if, there's a, if there's anyone, if there's a guy that's ever faced that type of uh, the outward look in, I'd be interested to hear from you. We had dinner just last night at some good friends of ours uh, at their place, and uh, she is a respirologist, uh, much smarter than me. He had his own career, and they decided to try to have a family, and they've been blessed with a beautiful girl, this lovely little daughter, Camille. And so my buddy Michael stays home, and his wife Ashley is at the hospital practicing medicine. Her career is skyrocketing, and we talked about it a little bit last night. First of all, just small talk, surface talk about what their days look like, and Michael was telling me about taking Camille to the library, or they'll go to Safeway, and out of the blue, he says to me, I never thought so many people would have such a hard time understanding why a guy would leave his career on the table to stay at home with the kids. Hmm. It struck him, and, and Camille's not yet two, but Michael's already made this observation that people, and, and, and in the context of his comment, complete strangers, can't seem to wrap their minds around the fact that a guy would leave a career downtown, he was working downtown, downtown for whatever that's worth, and stay home. Hmm. Nobody thinks twice when it's a woman. Yeah. Um, comments like that make me think, oh, we have so far to go. Because 
For a woman to be successful in her career and choose to have a family, she needs to have a true partner in her husband. And I also think that where her husband works, his company also needs to be a true partner in helping that. And so, again, like, it, I mean, it, it's shocking because it's still not our social norm, right? And I think we just have so far to go. Yeah. It's funny. Earlier you said you're like, I, I think I might upset people. I think I might say something controversial here. I feel the same way. when I, I, I think, is it safe to suggest, correct me if I'm wrong, that even though it's 2016, if a guy says at his place of employment, if a male says at his place of employment, I'm taking a pat leave, I'm taking a paternity leave, generally speaking, it's going to raise a few eyebrows. It is. It is. I mean, I specifically asked males about this yesterday after I knew I was coming on the show. I said, okay, tell me about your experience of telling your boss that you're going to take a pat leave. And they all said it was when it was not pleasant. And so that's where right now the facts are is that there are more men in leadership positions. That's the fact. So those are typically the people that we are asking. We are asking men to take those leaves and we're, there's not the support there for it. And I, I mean, I'm not saying that a woman necessarily would support it anymore. It's just there has to be a shift. I personally think there has to be a shift in dynamics if we want women and men to be able to both have successful careers and raise families. Sarah says, I know a stay-at-home dad, and he's awesome. Dougie, meantime, says, I don't give a flying uh, about my career. He says, I would stay home if I could. That would be my absolute <laughs> first choice. Another listener says, try being a male and taking time off when your kids have a Christmas concert or a field trip and see the kind of looks that you get. Aaron says, I know a lot of guys who would gladly stay home if their wife made enough money. So, I mean, maybe attitudes are changing. I don't know if Aaron meant to open up an entire other can, but women in salary, women in earnings. Mm -hmm. Lisanne Lewis and Kendall Barber are hanging out with us. We'll get right back to this conversation after we fit in this quick break. We're talking women in leadership and paternity leaves and glass ceilings and affirmative action and women's networking and a whole lot more with our roundtable guests this morning. The general manager of the Shaw Conference Center, Lisanne Lewis, co-founder of Poppy Barley, Kendall Barber on the text line to 630-630. Farley says, when my daughter was born, I was actually unemployed. Spending the first month at home with her is something I will cherish forever. Another listener says, I've been on two paternity leaves with no issues. Now I'm self-employed. I work from home. I love taking my kids to school in the morning. The freedom to take them to the park in the summer in between my other work-related duties during the day. An absolute honor. Lisanne, you made an interesting observation about paternity leave through the commercial break. Mm, well, we were talking earlier about women supporting women or not supporting women. And there, I'm seeing a weird thing happen where men aren't supporting men. Um, uh, you know, I've got a couple of, you know, great guy friends who are talking about peop guys in their lives that are taking paternity leave and they're rolling their eyes and they're grimacing and chuckling. Uh, so what's, what's that about? What do you think it is? I think, and I, I'm pretty sure I read this recently in an article. I wish I could source it. It's about needing to change how we as a culture and a society value caregiving. So whether it's men or women that are choosing to provide the caregiving in a family unit, um, it doesn't, almost doesn't matter what gender it is now. It's the caregiving that is not being valued and is being looked down upon. 
I'm just waiting for you to go. Yeah. This, this is an interview tactic. Kendall's I'm just, I'm just comfortable in the silence until you start going. Yeah. Because I can tell you're listening intently. I feel like the look on your face indicates that you're processing about a thousand thoughts a minute, Kendall. But for some reason, I feel like you're hesitant to say something. No, not necessarily. It's just such a complex issue, right? Isn't it? Like it's just so complex. I'm nodding and I'm listening and I'm thinking, and there's just there's no immediate solution. And I think so, Lisanne is bang on in talking yeah. about the value that society places or doesn't place on caregiving. And that's not to say that you know John that's listening in from Leduc right now doesn't value his wife's work at home, or that Carol doesn't value her husband Barry's work with the kids. Like I'm not saying that. But I guess just for some reason, talking as a guy, uh, one who's had these conversations, one who, you know, on the golf course or in the hockey locker room or whatever the case, has heard guys make wisecracks about paternity leave as though to suggest must be nice to be able to take six months away from work. You know, this, that, not think, not like quite processing what's involved. Mm-hmm. You know, I've told the story a couple of times. I was 10 or 11 years old and the census taker, the poor bastard, came to our front door. And my mom, who was a, a French teacher before she put her career on the back burner to raise us, said to my mom, so what do you do? And she says, well, now I'm a homemaker. And he goes, yeah, but do you work? Ouch. <laughs> and at like, and I, I will remember it till the day I die. Like I could... My mom, you know, all five foot four or five foot five of her kind of like, I could see a visceral reaction to the question. And I never, I, I, I never perceived that I was being raised by a mom who was a feminist, but I was lucky enough to be raised in a home where my dad treated my mom as his equal. She treated him as her equal. They shared parenting responsibilities and, and we made it work. But I understand now she's just, she was strong and she taught me that lesson right off the bat that. That a question like that might just seem to a census taker like a cut to the point. Like, are there are there two incomes? I mm-hmm. guess is what he was trying to ask. Mm-hmm. But the phrasing of it indicated this this belief that was just so out to lunch for anybody who has any awareness of what being a homemaker or being a stay at home mom or dad actually is and what's involved. Mm-hmm. And that might be part of the reason why I think there's a disconnect with the attitude. And a lot of people just aren't aware of maybe some of the sacrifice. We owe our advertisers one last break. When we come back, I think it would be fitting to close uh, leading into Tuesday. And we've got a very interesting segment coming up, an interesting panel from the U of A Law School, by the way, on Tuesday, of all places, to mark International Women's Day. But I'd like to ask these two why they think or don't why International Women's Day is significant or not. More with Lisanne Lewis and Kendall Barber after this. Lisanne Lewis, Kendall Barber have joined us here in studio for a very thought-provoking hour. Some interesting takes on the text line. The listener here, uh, this is Dougie, says, uh, being a stay-at-home dad would be awesome. Says, my eyes glaze over when people talk about how important their careers are. He says, I work to pay for life, and I measure my worth by being a good husband and a good father. Bill out of Stetler this morning says, any man who can take the opportunity to take a paternity leave and raise his kid is very lucky. It would be a treasured uh, series of treasured memories forever. Tuesday will mark International Women's Day 2016. We'll have some content on this show. Do the two of you have that date circled in your calendar? I think we had very different answers. Does it mean something to you, Kendall? Is that an, an important day, a significant day? What I had said is that I've sat on boards of organizations where women's International Women's Day is a big deal. And I think the reason that it's a big deal is because 
it gives us a platform to raise flags about the fact that we still have a long ways to go. And so I wish that International Women's Day was not needed, um, but I think at this stage it's it still is. We still have a lot of conversations to have. I think where we need to shift is from, you know, saying the same old things every year to, okay, here's our plan. Like, this is what a plan looks like to make some changes. So um, awareness is one thing, but if there's no plan to go with that awareness, then we're not making any progress. So same outcome but a different start. I had to research International Women's Day to come on this show. I'm not afraid to admit that. Um, It's on my calendar. I didn't understand it and I thought I should look at it. I almost started from an event standpoint because that's my world. How how are they promoting this? What actually happens? What What does that mean to the city of Edmonton? How do we celebrate that? And then when I went deeper and looked at the roots of International Women's Day and realized it began as um, a parody, equity movement, really, back in the day, that caught my attention and really made me think about everything we're talking about this morning, Ryan, like blast ceilings and what's going on in family structures. Um, do I think it's important? Yes, Now I do. I'm a convert. We need to have these conversations. Thank you both for being here today. Uh, It's a pleasure every time our paths cross, but I was especially looking forward to your take on some of the topics we covered just as successful entrepreneurs uh, and uh, and someone who has uh, especially embraced a role in in upper management, the general manager of the Shaw Conference Center, Lisa, and big uh, things in store for you, I'm sure, and we're looking forward to seeing what you'll do with that portfolio. And, of course, Kendall goes without saying it's been exciting to watch the growth of Poppy Barley as well. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for giving us an hour of your time today. Great. Thank Thank you. you. Lisanne Lewis and Kendall Barber. You can follow both of them on Twitter. As for us, that's the end of the week. Of course, the announcers are there tomorrow morning, and Monday we'll be right back at it. Thanks for being a part of some lively conversations over the last five days. Make it a safe weekend. One love.